Welcome, everybody. We are so glad that you're joining us for Easter at Faith Church. Wherever you're tuning in from, I know that we have faith family watching from all over this area, right here in Alabama and Tennessee, and not just our Faith Church family. While we're so glad that you're joining us for this time as we celebrate the Savior, we know we have people watching literally from all over the nation. Many of you are even tuning in for the first time, so whoever you are, wherever you're watching, whatever device you're in front of, we want you to know that we're glad you're here to celebrate the Savior with us, to find out really what this day is all about, and to experience his presence in a profound way. So listen, I want to jump right into the message, and I just want to dive in with this idea of a 3WP. What is a 3WP? A 3WP is a three-word phrase. A three-word phrase. Think about for a minute how powerful and how profound words are, especially when you take some very simple words and you string them together. When you pick the right words in the right order, they can communicate transformative truths. They can evoke a multitude of emotions. Let me just give you a few examples of what a 3WP is. Probably one of the ones that is most familiar to all of us is the 3WP, I love you. Come on, look at somebody watching beside you and just lean over and just tell them, I love you. Powerful, powerful words. Here's one that is so meaningful to me in the moment as your pastor to so many of you that I've not been able to see personally over this last season. Here's a 3WP is, I miss you. I want you to know I miss seeing my church family. Here's one that's changed and evolved over the years but is still so profound and powerful is, we are pregnant. Now, that's, that's the millennial spin. Back in the day, it was just that the woman was, so she is pregnant. But now, again, when you hear those words, we are pregnant, I mean, the excitement that, that's exuded, the, everybody's so passionate about a baby coming. Again, the power and the profoundness of a 3WP. Here's some that are big in culture, right? Knowledge is power. Seize the day. Those are big ones. There are some right now that I think are important for us to keep on our radar during the season of the COVID outbreak, especially if you're a person of faith and you're wrestling in this season. Here's a 3WP, do not fear. The most repeated commandment in scripture. Guard your heart, keep the faith. Come on, I mean, all of those are so incredible. 3WP. Now, if you're married or if you're in a significant relationship, here's a few I wanna give you that I would encourage you, especially if you're the man in the relationship, you wanna write down, you wanna practice these in a marriage, in a mirror, and if you get these right, you'll have a marriage forever. Here are the three WPs I wanna teach you. I was wrong, I'm sorry, and please forgive me. Come on, those are some powerful three WPs. But the most powerful and the most profound three WP ever spoken are these three words right here, it is finished. Those words were spoken by Jesus as he was suspended between heaven and earth, hanging on the cross of Calvary, carrying the debt of all humanity, dying for the sin of mankind. And John records that moment in John chapter 19, verse 30. Again, Jesus says these words. I want you to say it with me at home. It is finished. When Jesus said these words, it wasn't a whisper and it wasn't a whimper. This wasn't a cry of desperation on the cross. This was a shout and a declaration. It is finished. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And he was declaring to heaven, he was declaring to hell, and he was declaring to all humanity, come on, say it with me, it is finished. 
A, B, C. Come on, Michael Jackson. Easiest one, two, three. Just three words. Those three words define our faith in such a profound way. Again, the words that Jesus spoke, some of the final words out of his mouth, hanging on the cross at the end of his life, it is finished. But here's the question I want us to dig in with for a few minutes is, what is it? When Jesus said it is finished, what is the it? What is it? If you don't get the it, you're gonna miss the point of today, right? But if you'll get the it, you'll be able to celebrate the story. If you get the it, you'll be able to surrender to the Savior. But what is the it? Have you ever had somebody maybe tell you a joke and they're chuckling while they're telling you the joke because they already think it's funny and they get to the punchline and when they say the punchline, you don't think it's funny because you don't, you don't get it? Or have you ever been in a movie like I love, there's a lot of good movies I love. I love movies that have a big twist at the end. Anybody else like those kind of movies where you get to the end and there's this, it's this huge upset in the plot and you're like, man, I didn't see that coming. Have you ever seen one of those movies, but you're sitting next to somebody in the theater and they look at you with this dumbfounded look on their face because they don't get what happened? Again, but once you explain it, once you explain the plot point, once you explain the punchline, all of a sudden people will figure out and they'll understand how incredible the movie or how funny the joke is. Listen, until you get the it of it is finished, you won't understand how powerful and profound Easter is that it is truly a life-transforming declaration. It has, changed the, uh, it has changed humanity. It has changed history in that simple three WP. Come on, say it again. It is finished. Now, it is finished is a three WP in the English language. However, in the original language of the New Testament, which was Greek, it's not a three WP, it's, it's a flying solo word. It's a simple one word that Jesus says on the cross of Calvary. And I wanna teach it to you. Some of you have heard this word before, but Jesus, basically the declaration that he makes on the cross is to telestai. Now I wanna teach you how to say that word. Basically, all of us have heard, like you have a sty in your eye. What do you have? I have a sty. And on the front of that word, you put the word tell, 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 tell us die. Come on, say that, to tell us die. That's what Jesus said on the cross, to tell us die. And again, what is the it? When he said it is finished, what did he mean? And I'm gonna give you three, three WPs to help us understand what Jesus did on the cross. Again, to tell us die ultimately means it is finished, it is complete, but here's specifically what the it is. Number one, if you're taking notes, the mission's complete, the mission. I know all of us, right, we go through all of these phases in our life where we're trying to figure out our future, we're trying to determine our destiny, right? From the time we're little kids, a lot of times we're dreaming, we're drawing pictures and talking about what it is we wanna be when we grow up. We find ourselves in high school, right, and we have counselors that are trying to push us or parents that are trying to motivate, motivate us in a certain, in a certain direction. We go into college trying to figure out a career path. We graduate college with a professional plan in mind. Again, so much of our life, we're trying to figure out this big question in life. Why am I here? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? Did you know Jesus never wrestled with that question? He always knew why he was here. He always knew what the mission was. In fact, he tells us early in his ministry in John chapter eight, verse 38, 
here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So he said, my mission isn't to do what I wanna do. My mission on planet earth, the reason I'm here, the reason I left heaven to get to earth was to do what my father sent me to do. And he repeated this over and over again through his life. In fact, in the last few days before ultimately he died on the cross and declared those words, it is finished, he talked about the mission two other times. In the Garden of Gethsemane where the weight of all of the sin of humanity is being put on him, he was wrestling in that moment knowing what was in his future was the cross. And while he wanted to do what the Father sent him to do, he was looking like, is there another path? But he said this, he said, but if there's not, if there's no other way for me to do this, then he said it, not my will, but your will. He said, I wanna do my mission. I wanna do your mission. And then he said this in a prayer, in a personal time of prayer. Again, literally the day before he hung on the cross, he said this prayer in John chapter 17, verse four. He said, I have brought you glory, referring to the Father on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So again, the declaration that Jesus was making, it was a declaration, again, to heaven, hell, and humanity. He was saying to heaven, he was saying to the Father, the mission's complete. I did what you sent me to do. Again, the word to telestai is a word that was used very widely in the first century where Jesus was, first century Greek. This word was used when, when an employee did what an employer asked them to do or when a slave, a servant did what their master asked them to do. If, for example, you were given a task, imagine in the context of today, if your boss set a goal for you, set a sales mark for you, or if they gave you a to-do list during the day and they would come back later in the day and they say, hey, how are you doing on your work? Uh, in English, we'd say, hey, I did it, I'm finished. You know what, in the Greek, they would say, to telestai. My son, if I tell my son, hey, hey son, it's time to clean your room. I would love for him to look at me and be like, dad, to telestai, like it's already done. That's what Jesus, he came to serve the will and the plan of the father and on the cross, what he was saying was, I, the mission's complete. I did what you sent me to do. Jesus isn't the only one who said it. You know, the apostle Paul looking back on his life who, again, he traveled and preached the gospel and established churches and did so many incredible things for the kingdom and ultimately was what God called him to do. And when he got to the end of his life, looking back over his shoulder, trying to evaluate how he had done, he said this phrase, he said, he said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I finished my race and I kept the faith. Again, it's this idea, the same way Jesus was saying to Telestai or the three WP, it is finished. Paul was saying the same thing. I, I finished what the Father sent me to do. I don't know about you, but man, just thinking about this, I wonder sometimes, am I doing what the Father wants me to do? Am I, am I fulfilling my plan and purpose? Or I can be honest, sometimes I, I'm guilty of doing selfishly what I wanna do. Sometimes I, I feel myself in the pressure of culture to do what other people want me to do. Man, the greatest thing you can do with your life is what the Father wants you to do, to figure out why he created you and why he put you on planet Earth, what your purpose is. And we can wrestle that with that another day. At the end of the day, what I want you to understand as you're watching this at home is while we may not be sure if we're doing what God sent us to do, you can be sure that Jesus did what the Father sent him to do. Come on, say it with me, three words, it is finished. What's the other it? Again, you gotta know what is it. 
not just that the mission's complete, but number two, if you're taking notes, the second three WP is the enemies defeated. Woo! Now, if you're new to spiritual things, this will be probably a little bit odd for you. If you've been involved in spiritual things, you've been a Christ follower, you probably know this, but did you know that when, you, when we sin, when we thumb our nose at our creator, that we become a servant to Satan, that we become tied to the tempter? You say, come on, Pastor, like, what are you talking about? Is this like, like I sold my, to- my soul to the devil? Well, maybe not in the way that movies propose it, but I want you to think about this. There are really only two plans. There are really only two purposes, and there are really only two wills. We have to choose in life, who are we gonna submit our lives to? Who are we gonna surrender to? And I know culture will give you a 1,001 options. Well, you can choose whether you're a progressive or a liberal, or you can choose whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, or you can choose, you can choose your sexuality and you can choose your identity. And, and they'll tell you, man, that you have this buffet of things to choose. I'm just telling you, the biblical paradigm is there's only two paths to choose. You can either choose to be surrendered to the Father and his will and his plan, or you can choose to be surrendered to the enemy and the plan of the, or the plan and purpose of the enemy. And so when you don't choose the Father, come on, by default. Now, here's the thing. So when you rebel against the will of the Father, that's why, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, I have where one day you just decide, like, I'm going to start doing better. Have you ever decided, like, hey, I'm going to be better. I'm going I'm to stop this. I'm going to start this new thing. And have you ever felt how, how difficult it is sometimes just to choose on your own to be better? Do you know why? It's because it's, it, with our life, when you stay surrendered to the enemy, he's not going easy to easily let you go to walk the right path. And so the good news is when Jesus showed up, his declaration wasn't just to heaven. His declaration was to hell. It wasn't just to the Father. It was to the enemy. And it wasn't just his enemy. It was our enemy that we were bound to. Jesus said, he said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you are at home, man, and your life is being robbed, and you feel like you're bound up, if you're struggling with things you can't get free of, I want you to know Easter is a celebration of your freedom because Jesus was saying, it is finished. The enemy is defeated. Come on. Hebrews 2.14 gives us this thought in these powerful words. Hebrews 2.14, he says this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human human being could Jesus die. And only by dying, I want you to read this with me, could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. See, when Jesus died on the cross, cross, he broke the power of the enemy over our lives. He broke us free of something we could never break ourselves free from. I, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if you've ever been bullied before, but man, being bullied is, is uh, I can't say the words I'm thinking. It's not good. Never happened when I was older, but when I was a little kid, uh, probably five, six, seven years old, the street we grew up on, there were some kids on the street right behind us. And uh, these, these kids, their names were Darren and Curtis, and they were, they were quite a bit older than us. And so when we would ride our bikes around the block as young kids, like my parents would always tell me because they knew them to be troublemakers in the neighborhood, they would always warn us like, hey, don't mess with, don't mess with Darren and Curtis. Don't, you know, and you would feel like you got to talk to them. 
well, they did this several times. And I remember one time and I like, I don't know, I, I might need to get some counseling for it because the fact that I can still remember it and it makes me like feel traumatized when I think about it. I remember this one time I was riding around by myself again. You probably have to imagine I'm seven. These kids were probably, you know, maybe teenagers at the time, 13, 14. And I'll never forget, they snatched me off of my bike and locked me in their garage. It was summertime, and you know how, if you've ever been in a garage that's not air-conditioned in the summer, so I'm in there baking, I'm panicking, beating on the garage. I'm a little kid, tears streaming down my face, and at some point, it felt like I was in there forever, like, you know, uh, I felt like I was in the movie Taken. Come on. I mean, that's how it felt, and I was just waiting for somebody. I was waiting for, like, Liam Neeson to show up and say, good luck, you know, like, he was, but nobody showed up. They finally let me out of the garage. I go home, and I'll never forget my dad is standing at the end of the driveway. He's like, where have you been? And my cheeks are all red and my face is all flushed from crying for me and stuck in this garage. And so I told him, you know, man, that Darren and Curtis had stuck me in their garage. And man, my dad immediately grabbed me by the hand and marched me back to their house. And he let me stand on the sidewalk walk because probably he was using some pretty choice words. But I'm just telling you, I couldn't do anything against Darren and Curtis. They were too big for me, but they wasn't too big for my daddy. And he made sure that he, they could never take me captive again. What I want you to know is that the Easter celebration isn't about some bunny, some eggs, and some, and, some, and some candy. It's about the Savior of the world breaking the stronghold of the enemy off of our lives so we could be free. Come on, say it with me. It is finished. What a powerful three. WP. And so when Jesus made this declaration, again, it's what is the it? The it is that, right, he need, we need to understand that the mission's complete, that the enemy's defeated. And here's the third one if you're taking notes. The, the third three WP of the it is the debts paid. Wow. The debts paid. Wow. Now, I know uh, probably many of us watching this, we have jobs and think about this. Why do we go to work? Why do we go fulfill the job? Why do, we, why do we show up clocking? Why do we do what we do? Now, I'm sure if I were to ask all of, this, all of us this question, probably I would get some diversity of answers. And, you know, there's probably a lot of truth to it. You know, sometimes we work a job because of purpose and fulfillment. We feel satisfied working the job. A lot of times we go to the job we're at because we have relationships there. It's, it's not just about the fulfillment, it's about the friendships, right? There's a lot of people there. I love who I work with and, you know, but I want you to, let's get right down to brass tacks. We don't do it for the fulfillment or the friendship. We do it for the funds. I mean, come on, that, at the end of it, here's how I know. If your boss quit paying, you wouldn't be like, but I like my friends. I think I'm gonna keep showing up. You'd be like, bye-bye, Felicia, come on. Because we do it at the end of the day. Think about this. Here's, here's the trade-off. When you go to work, you get a wage. When you go to work, you get a wage. When you do a job, you get paid for the job. Did you know that sin has a wage? In fact, this is what Paul said in, in Romans 3.23. He said, for the wages of sin is death. What he was saying was, again, when you choose your path over God's path, when you do your thing over God's thing, when you, when you break God's law, he's saying ultimately what you get paid for your choice is death. And he's not talking about like one day when you're 95 and you're gray and you can't walk and you finally go to sleep and don't wake up and you wake up dead. He's not talking about the time that you're gonna end up in a grave. What Paul is talking about is the time 
that maybe you end up in hell. And I know hell's a tough word that we don't talk a lot about, and God gets a bad rap because we, people pretend, tem, uh, tend to project that God is pitching people into hell, that God is just carelessly and God is impassionately just pitching people in hell. And I want you to know that God is not willing that anybody should perish. God wants every single person to come to Christ to have a relationship. That's why Jesus came. And so I want you to know, if you're wondering like, hey, how can God do it to me? It's not God's plan for you. It's got not God's purpose for you. It's not God's will for you, but you have a choice in what you choose. But the wages of sin is death. And so ultimately what we're gonna get paid for our sin is being separated from a holy God, being separated from him, not for a season, but forever. That's what hell is. And Jesus loved you and loved me so much and not just Jesus, but it was the Father who sent the Son. Again, that was the mission. God, the Father sent the Son to rescue us. And he said this, I don't want you to have to die your death for your sin. I'm willing to die your death so you can have my life. To tell us, I, come on, it is finished. Again, the word that Jesus used was so profound in the season that he used it. Again, not the three WP, but the flying solo phrase of to tell us, I. It was the same word that was used in that culture. If somebody, for example, would go and they would take out credit, they would buy something from a shipyard or they would buy something from a market. And at that time, people would put things on their tab. They would go to the local market and they would take some fruit and some vegetables and they would put it on their tab. And periodically, they would have to go and they would have to pay their tab. And so when they would go to the person at the marketplace, they would say, hey, how much do I owe you? And they would run through the line items. Well, you got five apples and you got, you know, you got four you know, heads of lettuce or whatever. And so you owe me $7.42. And so when the person would take out their money and they would pay the bill, the shopkeeper would mark or stamp or write on it, you know what, to tell us What they were saying was your debt is paid in full. Listen, every single person, not bad people, all people, good people, bad people, church people, non-church people, atheist people, agnostic people, religious people, all people, white people, black people, Republican people, Democrat people. Come on, all people, we're all sinners and we all have a sin debt because we've all sinned against the holy God. God loved us enough that he sent his son on the mission to tell us die to defeat the devil who is holding us back, to tell us die, to pay our sin debt, to tell us die, so we could be forgiven, so we could be free, so we can be connected to our creator. Come on, somebody, say it one more time. It is finished. Such great news. In a simple 3WP, it tells us who Jesus is and what he did and, again, who he's called us to be. And so if you're wrestling for meaning this Easter Sunday, you're watching or you're tuning in to one of these services, I want you to know that Jesus came for you. And I don't know about you, but man, I have, I do this where I'll start something and not finish it. You guys ever do that? Like I, I got 19 books I've started. I'm a pretty ferocious reader, but I've got always, I've got a bunch of books I start reading and don't finish. Um, I'll start a series on Netflix and just get busy and you know, I've got, all these, I've got all these series in Hulu and Netflix started but not finished. I've got projects in my garage. Come on, we, we are all so guilty. Like we start something and don't finish it. Again, I have such good news for you about Jesus. Jesus didn't just come for something and he didn't just start something. Jesus finished it. It is finished. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, that's what it says. Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
Now, I want you to hear those words for a second. Jesus is the author. He's the one. It was his idea. It's not our idea. Hey, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to, I don't want to live a meaningless life. I want to find purpose. What am I here for? Like those questions, they didn't start with us who we are, why we're here, and where we spend eternity, and how we're connected to our creator. Jesus is the author of that. And he's not the one who just started the ball moving. He's the one who finished the work so it could all be possible. He finishes everything he starts. It's crazy because sometimes I think we feel like we have to add to it. And maybe you're from a certain religious background. You grew up within a certain denomination or you were taught certain things and you've been told unless you, unless you do this or you do that or you add on baptism or you show up enough times in church, unless you give enough money, unless you start praying for a certain amount of time. Like we're told by religion, you have to do all of these things. And I want you to know when Jesus said it is finished, he didn't say it's finished, but go do this. No, no, he said it is finished, it's done. I, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm going to miss pretty profoundly um, this holiday weekend as we celebrate the Savior is time with family. Again, we are socially, uh, we're doing social distancing as well. And um, typically most holidays, my wife, she kills it in the kitchen, man. She crushes it. And, uh, but what's, what's crazy is it's not just right on those days, those holiday weekends, but usually several days before Come on, y'all know what it's like. She goes to the store and she'll tell me, she'll say, hey, I'm going to the store. And she'll come home. When she goes to the store, she comes home with the store. Like she bought aisle five and we're lugging in bags forever. And I'm like, babe, how many people are we feeding? And she, so she'll do all the shopping and she'll do all the, prep, uh, all the preparation. Usually the night before, all day long, she's slicing stuff and cutting stuff and preparing stuff. And then the morning of, like, she'll wake up early. Like, I'm, I'm busy in the bedroom getting firewood ready. Come on, I'm sawing, I'm sawing some logs still. Come on. But she's out in the kitchen, right, 5 o'clock in the morning, putting the turkey or the ham or whatever in the oven. And so then she slaves all day long. Then all these people show up like a, like a swarm of locusts, and she serves them all. Then when everybody else is sitting down eating dessert, she cleans it all up, and then this happens. People finally get up after eating her well-prepared, well-cooked, well-served, well-cleaned-up meal. People look at both of us and say, hey, thanks for having us over, man. Y'all put together such a great meal. And you know what I say? You're welcome. And I didn't do anything. I did absolutely nothing. I'm just telling you, listen to me. And when it comes to you being connected to your creator, you being forgiven, you finding salvation, you walking with Jesus, you finding a purpose and meaning and value in life. When all of those questions are circling in your heart and mind, when you're wondering like, why am I here? How, how do I become a good person? How, how can I know where I'm gonna spend eternity? How do I get away from hell? How do I get to God? Like when you're wrestling with the big questions of life, I want you to know that you are nowhere to be found in the answer. It is Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He did it all. All I can say is thank you because he made the declaration, it is finished. It is finished. And as I close today, I want to really just take our whole faith. You know, the Bible is a big book. Actually, it's not a book. It's a collection of books, 66 books. 
39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. The Old Testament is the history of the Jewish nation. The New Testament is the history of the Christian church. Throughout it is the red thread of redemption from beginning to end. It's always God's plan to rescue humanity. Always from beginning to end, it's a picture of Jesus coming to rescue us and save us. What happened on the cross wasn't a shock. It was, always God, it was always God's plan and purpose from paradise to the moment it happened into eternity. God always wanted to save you and I. But that's a lot of information, right? 66 books. You ever pick up a Bible for the first time, it can feel a little overwhelming. There's a lot of pages to peel through to figure out what all faith means. I'm gonna give you, as we close today, I'm gonna give you three, three WPs of our faith. This, this is the summation of everything it is to be a Christ follower. This is the summation of our faith in one, two, three, three WP. You ready? It is finished, he is risen, and I'll be back. That's our faith right there. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. I've paid for your sin so you can be reconnected with your creator. I've made a way for you to break free from the enemy and get connected to Christ. It is finished. Jesus died on Friday morning, right? Three days later on the Jewish calendar, Jesus was dead and in the tomb a part of Friday, all day Saturday and Sunday. If you ever wondered like, how was it three days? Part of Friday, all day Saturday, part of Sunday, three days. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, that is the culmination and the foundation of our faith, that Jesus didn't just die, he rose from the dead. What differentiates Christianity from any other major world religion, any other viewpoint, is the difference is our Savior made a promise and he pulled it off. He declared and prophesied that he would die and raise again, and he pulled it off. Every other world religious figure is still in the tomb but Jesus, and when he came back, it was declared all over, and here we are 2,000 years later declaring this Easter weekend all over this people planet, he is risen. That's a powerful 3WP. And when Jesus rose, rose from the dead, he was saying, see, I told you I am who I said I am. See, I told you I did what I said I did. It was the exclamation point of the period of Good Friday. However, that wasn't the end, and it's not the end of the story. Because after Jesus showed himself alive all over that area to groups above the 500 people, you say, how do we know Jesus was alive? Because that was the message of the New Testament church. It wasn't a myth, and it wasn't a legend. It was handed down hundreds of years after the fact. The gospels were written when many of the people who witnessed what Jesus said and did was still alive. And so they knew it was true. They knew, nobody took the body. Jesus is risen. And after 40 days of Jesus showing himself alive, he said this, other three WP, I'll be back. Jesus, as our Messiah, came as a suffering servant, but he's coming back as a reigning king. What we lost in paradise, he's gonna come back and restore. And in the meantime, between the king coming back and I'll be back, our call is to follow the one who died for us, to trust the one who rose from the dead and to give him our everything because he gave us his everything. Three WP, it is finished. He is risen and I'll be back. I wanna pray. Father, I'm so thankful. God, we make faith sometimes so complicated, and it's as simple 
as three WP. What you did for us on the cross is so profound. I pray, God, that you'll take my limited language, take some jumbled words, and I pray, Father, impact them and influence them in our hearts to know that what happened 2,000 years ago when you hung on that cross was a profound declaration of your love for us, a powerful work that you did for us. Again, to, to finish the mission of the Father, to defeat the work of the enemy, and to pay the sin debt of all humanity. And so, Lord, we stand here today so grateful and so humble. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you the highest praise that our faith is finished in you, and we don't need to add anything to it because you already did it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, man, I'm so thankful that you decided to join us again for our Easter experience here at Faith Church. And again, we're just praying for you and your family. We know that many of you are struggling, some of you who are wrestling with finances and some of you who are still trying to manage the fear and the daily challenges and children at home and trying to figure out how do you homeschool them. Some of you are becoming teachers and you're becoming pastors and it's almost like all of us have taken and changed in our entire occupation. And I want you to know as your pastor that I'm praying God's highest grace on you. I'm praying his favor and his wisdom and his peace and his provision. And I want you to know that in a season of shakeup, Jesus doesn't change. Stay the course with him. Stay faithful in following him. He will not lead you astray. And before we close, listen, I wanna give you an opportunity. If you're watching for the first time, maybe you've heard this before, but you've never surrendered your heart to the Savior. I wanna give you that opportunity. Again, Jesus came for you and he died for you. All you have to do is put your trust in him. All you have to do is believe that you need saved and he came to be that Savior. And in that simple act of faith, I'm telling you, your heart and your life will be changed forever because in that moment of faith, you become forgiven and you become a child of God. And so if you're here and you just wanna say, Pastor, I wanna give my life to Christ. I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna open my heart to faith. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. You can use my words or you can use your own. But in a simple prayer, I can lead you. I want you to just bow your head and your heart right where you're at at home, right where you're at in front of that screen. And I want you to pray and know that the Father hears you. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you came for me, that you hung on the cross in my place. You took my debt, you paid for my sin, and you gave me your life. I receive grace and forgiveness and hope in Jesus' name. Help me to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. And everybody who said that agrees that amen. Hey, listen, man, thanks so much for joining us. If you prayed that for the first time, I would encourage you just to take a minute, grab your smart device, you're probably already on it, and text ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000. We would love to send you a text. You'll get one text a day for five days. It'll help you on your spiritual journey. We're praying for you guys. We love you guys. Faith family, we love you guys so much. Share this. We're gonna play it again, and we'll see you guys next weekend for another encounter here at Faith Church. God bless you guys.